Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. Pharrell on the bench in the biggest way possible, hanging out a bad seat, a broken day, a bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad, out of bad day, bad lie, bad do, bad bread, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are live in the Frodo Palatial, right across the river through the woods from where Granny likes to have her THC lozenges and maybe a gummy bear or two when she rolls up a fat thumb before dinner in New York City, the Big Apple. Ooh. People dressed in plastic bags, directed traffic, some kind of fashion, shake it, I should do it. All my friends that come around, let's flush a party of rats on the west side, but blows up down, what a mess of time to tell them, my brain splattered all over Manhattan, should do be shake out, ooh. All right, Pharrell with you and Mafia tonight, running it, and uh, are you surprised that, uh, well, it, it took help, obviously, from Joe. Are you surprised that I got the uh, show on, like in terms of the uh, camera and everything? Are you surprised? No, I'm not. You know, as, as inept as you are with technology, usually if we show you things a few times, you're able to pick it up and have it going well. So I'm not surprised you're ready to go tonight. I mean, I used to do the podcast, didn't I? I used to like download it and send it to you. And then didn't I used to send you like tons of episodes of like podcasts where I downloaded it and did uh, stupid things like that. Like I could barely do anything right. But you surprised that I got, you know, the camera working. I mean, Joe, I, I, I knew that I had done everything right except one mistake, right? Because I didn't know that, that you had to turn off the one thing at the bottom, I told you. And then otherwise I had it all perfect, didn't I? Yeah, mostly. We just had to reset the camera once we closed that out last night. That was the issue. We didn't re- know how to unplug it and replug it in that. That was the thing to reset it. So we got that figured out today. I've never done uh, so much technology in all my life with the uh, cameras, lighting, computers, programs, manicams, team viewers, Skype, vMix. I can't keep track of all of it. It's just crazy. We got a lot going on tonight. Grant Paulson will join us in a little bit this hour from D.C. from the fan, a good friend of ours. It's Pharrell on a bench. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We're we going to learn. And most of all, 
I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, for all the events uh, with Mafia. So Dr. Fauci uh, went on the radio today on Sirius XM, and he said that uh, this disturbing resurgence of the virus has made it a moving target as football season approaches. He pointed to the explosion of cases in California, Arizona, Texas, Florida, and added that other cities and states are uh, demonstrating a resurgence. If things were stable, as many had expected them to be, it'd be easier to have confidence regarding football. Given the resurgence, everything is in a state of flux now, and it's just the beginning. Dr. Fauci has great concern regarding the behavior of the virus in the fall and winter months as the confluence of COVID and influenza cases occur. He emphasized a point that uh, can't be emphasized enough. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. The issue has begun to subside in terms of, um, I, don't, I don't agree with that, that it's subsided in terms of uh, political angles, right? Um, that, you know, they've turned it into politics for some reason. And it's just ridiculous. Um, it, the anti-mask politicians have begun to realize it's not a, a sustainable issue. The more that people wear masks, the less that the virus is going to spread, blah, blah, blah. I really cannot make any type of prediction uh, if football will start and finish. I can't make that type of prediction. It's completely in flux. And um, we all know what's happening here. We all know the situation. Like, I've been talking about it on – uh, coast to coast and on uh, Pharrell on a bench overnights on sports group radio. And I know that everybody else is talking about it. Marenzi, Wetzel, you know, sports rage, bagels and bad beats are overnight uh, shows. Everyone's talking about, you know, players getting it, coaches getting it, you know, College football players getting it, tennis players, golfers, you know, who isn't? You know what I mean? Like everybody, like, I mean, we're hearing about uh, students having parties and, you know, this is just one case, right? Tuscaloosa, they're actually allegedly having parties where people are actually trying to get COVID, trying to see who can get sick. It's a game that they're playing. Like, I mean, honestly, you know, you wonder. I, I really have to wonder. I, I really do. I have to say this is that uh, when you go to uh, college, right, at some level, I understand that you go to uh, drink beer and try to get laid. I get all that, right? And I, let's just get real here and stop with all the fancy, don't say words like that. Uh, college kids are, that's what they're doing. They're, you know, they're trying to score and they're drinking. That's what they do. But I also have to admit, I mean, let's just face facts. At some level, you go to college, right, to get an education. Do you not? Like most most students 
go to school to get a degree to get out into the real world and have a degree, right? I mean, that's really the bottom line of it. We're not talking about college uh, football players, college basketball players. We're not talking about guys trying to go pro to be drafted, to make it to the next level, which is very uh, low percentages, very low. Let's just uh, get real here for a minute. It's not about like all these kids think they're going pro, you know, 1% goes pro, whatever it is. So here's the deal. You go to college to like get an education, right? How stupid. I mean, you, you know, you're there to get an education. I Obviously, you have to, when you get in at some level, you got to have been accepted because of grades and because you've earned it, right? You've, uh, you know, I guess there's a percentage of people that sneak their kids into college, like the Laughlin chick in Los Angeles with her kids sneaking them into USC and then facing jail time over it. I guess that happens. But for the most part, Mafia, don't people want to, like, did you not go to Seton Hall to get an education? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to go there, get a degree, get your career started. And uh, Felicity Huffman did the same thing. Another famous person, actress that was in that whole scandal. I think her kid went to a lot better school than USC, though. But let me ask you, did, but you went to get an education and then you drank beer and partied and, you know, uh, you did the normal things college kids do. But here's my question to you. How stupid do you have to be as an individual, whether you're in college or high school or otherwise, how stupid do you have to be to decide that you're going to go out one night and go to a party and see if you can get COVID? You have to be incredibly stupid. I mean, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of anyone doing. I mean, I know that the numbers aren't as big for the younger community or it's not taking out as many younger people. But you know what? There's plenty of things that you don't think about that factor into something like that that could easily make you high risk. You know, all these comorbids they talk about, whether you know your cholesterol is high or you got some asthma, or, you know, these conditions that you might think of, oh, it's no big deal. I just deal with it. But you know what? Something like that might heighten that. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're on a respirator. But these idiots think, hey, this is fun. This is funny. Let me go do this. Like, how stupid do you have to be? Like, that's my point. Like, you go to college to be educated, to, to be somewhat, like, astute and studied and, you know, try to be learned, try to be, uh, you know, advance your mind and, and uh, move up in the world, try to make something of yourself. And then you decide one day, you know what I'm going to do today? Now, I, that's different than, I think it's different than, you know, partying, doing blow or smoking weed or eating pills or, you know, doing whatever uh, when you're in college, you know, drinking uh, shot parties, uh, beer pong parties, uh, you know, you know, shot for shot with your friends, uh, 10 keggers or 20 keggers, whatever. These things happen, right? I don't have a problem with that. Like, obviously, you're stupid. You do whatever blow or you do drugs or something, you know, maybe it's a Maybe it's a weekend thing. Maybe it's a once in a while thing. Maybe it's a once ever thing. Maybe it's every day thing. But, but you know, that's stupid. Fairly much like a partying stupid decision, right? Like everyone's done that. Like, not everyone. I, I've done it. But uh, I partied. Like I, I'm from the 70s and 80s, bro. There's no getting around it. I've already admitted all these things, my sins on the air over the years. I partied with the rock star status. Just I partied like with rock stars, like the biggest rock stars in the world that you know. I've partied with all of them. And people say, oh, yeah, sure he has. Mafia, tell him. Have I not done that? You have, absolutely. And Scott, to me, this is a thing like, have you ever, ever heard of anyone having a flu party? Like, no, if you get the flu, everyone's trying, staying the hell away from you. They don't want to see you for two weeks. But this right. thing, which is like a billion times worse than the flu, they're like, hey, this is fun. Let's get this. That's my point of this whole conversation is how stupid ass do you have to be?
<laughs> like, it's like saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drink six beers. I'm going to do a few rails. I'm going to smoke a fatty. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to drive this car off a cliff 400 feet up into the uh, Adriatic Sea. I'm going to drive off a cliff. I'm just going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to this party. I'm going to try to get some leg. I'm going to drink. I'm going to do some drugs. And I'm going to drive a car off a cliff and kill myself tonight. Like, how stupid do you have to be at some point to, you know, go to a party trying to get sick? Like, I have never in my life, ever, I've never tried to get sick. <laughs> like, who does that? Hey, let me, like, you have a really bad cold. Hey, can I just, like, rub my hand in your mouth and, and uh, on your tongue and scrape it and then put it into my mouth <laughs> and just see if I can get some? Now, listen, I just saw the cack on my tongue, and it was, it's just, I've had, like, 15 cups of coffee. And so my, my tongue is so brown right now. I'm not even going to show it to you again. That's how brown it is. And I don't care because I'd rather have a coffee tongue than a COVID tongue. Who goes to COVID parties? Like if like, so I know this chick that goes to school there and now I think she's a stupid ass just because she goes there. Is it not Alabama at the university of Alabama? They have students that are so stupid. That was one of them. I think Missouri was another one. I heard that in that area, the colleges in there, there was another one. It's been in North Carolina. It's been all over. Who does that in their right Pharrellian mind? Like, can you imagine if my kids uh, and I have a son and a daughter, uh, Jack and Jill went out the house to fetch a pail of water. Jack got down and Jill came around and now they got a son and a daughter. Uh, so my kids, if I, <laughs> can you imagine our kids? I just want you to promise me one thing as you go off to college and I pay for it. I just want you to promise me <laughs> that you're not going to go to influenza and COVID parties trying to get sick and die, please. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, Pharrell on the bench. Uh, before uh, I had to clean my uh, glasses, I have to wear several uh, different pairs of glasses so we can just get this out of the way. Like, I hate glasses. I hate contacts. I hate uh, LASIK. I hate, uh, I have uh, progressives. So I have like distance, computer, and then uh, reading, right? So I could see uh, far away with my distance, I can see in the middle with like, you know, maybe five feet away from me. And then I can see up close reading uh, because I can't see at all ever. 
you know? And then, so when you can't see and you can't hear, at some point you're doing like Heller Keller shows, right? I mean, in Boston, I'm like busting off. My dog's looking at me right now. I'm like doing, he's like, I said, I can't see, I can't hear. I'm lucky I have hair at this point. All these things are are happening. And then I got to listen to some kid tell me he's going to a COVID flu party. (laughs) And then I have to see it to believe it. I have to hear it uh, to actually believe it, like that you could be that stupid. <laughs> I just, I don't know how in God's name, I told you my, my, my friend's kid goes to Alabama. Now I think she's stupid. And I think she gets straight A's. And I still think she's stupid now because she goes to school there and I'm going to lump her in with those stupid asses trying to get COVID. All right. Uh, anyway, so that's why I'm always wearing glasses on the show. When you see me on here with uh, different glasses, I got like 10 pairs of glasses I wear. I can't see anything without glasses. Literally, it's the worst. And when I wear sunglasses, I have some really good uh, Maui gyms that are progressives. They're like real. They're like five, 600 buck glasses. I, I only wear them uh, rarely, if ever, because they're so expensive and valuable. I love them. So I never wear them like my basketball shoes. But the crappy glasses that I wear, I have hundreds of pairs of those that I don't care if I break them. I just wanted to say that. Grant Paulson is, uh, people are asking me, Mafia, I'm getting questions as to why I have a different pair of glasses on every day. I got those questions today. So I'm answering them on the show tonight. Uh, people ask me anything and everything, and I'm always willing to help them. I'm like Dr. Phil. Grant Paulson is a great host on MLB Radio. On uh, Sirius XM, he's also obviously a big star in D.C. on uh, The Fan, great radio station that I was on for a long time. Uh, and he's on the bench again. We've had him on the bench many times. It's good to have him back. How you doing, Grant? Scotty, good to talk to you again, man. How you been? Sorry you had to sit through that. If I were you, I would have hung up and gone drinking or something. But uh, I'm, I'm well. <laughs> I, I wanted to – there's several things I want to do here with you tonight. First of all – because uh, I do want to get into uh, the nationals and the capitals and kind of everything that's going on in uh, D.C., even the Wizards, Bradley Beal, all the rest. But I do want to start with this, uh, your boy Napoleon over there at the uh, Redskins. Uh, I, I got to tell you, uh, I have always felt for years this guy, you will never get that guy to change the name of the team ever. And I have stood by that for since the beginning of time, since 99 or whatever, when he bought the team, I said, good luck getting that guy to do anything. He's an absolute Napoleon. The guy will never listen to anyone ever. Anyone that even probably suggests something to him probably gets fired. Uh, He reminds me of like that little powerful guy with too much money and no one's going to tell him what to do. And I just have always felt like good luck getting him to change the name of the team. But if every sponsor in the world does what FedEx did and what these others are doing, is he in big trouble trying to keep the name of that team in that town? Yeah, I think there's no doubt in my mind, Scott. I mean, today was a game changer as far as I'm concerned, because you and I are in lockstep on this. It sounds like I have never once thought Dan Snyder was going to change the name. Because if this is just about the idea that folks were going to loudly demand that he did, whether it was a small group or a large group, you know, if this was just a collection of people that go from team to team to change the name or from issue to issue and say, you've got to make this change, and eventually you get someone to bend the knee, I didn't think he was going to. I think he was just going to tell them to kick rocks and kind of move forward, not care about what they say, and ignore what I'll call maybe unfairly hear the noise, right? Because you're talking about ultimately probably being on the right side of history. However, this is not anymore just Dan Snyder 
not listening to a loud collection of people, however many there were. This isn't something he can just do a poll of Native Americans to see if they're offended or not and come back and say, see, 90% say our name is not a problem. You've got FedEx, as of today, asking the Washington Redskins to change their name. That's the name of their stadium, FedEx Field, their, their naming rights. It's a massive sponsor for the organization. And probably, Scott, most importantly, one of the minority owners is the CEO of FedEx. So I mean, that, to me, matters a whole lot to this storyline as well. If you get other companies, Nike uh, among them, you know, the, the, the hallmark, the pillars, the, the stanchions that hold this organization up that come to the Redskins and say, listen, you've got to change your name if we're going to keep giving you money or else we're out, that money talks. And I've always thought that the only way that the name would change is when the money started to disappear and dry up and he had companies tell Snyder, we can't stand by you, man. There's just too many people giving us too much of a hard time for being in bed with you guys. I just wasn't sure that that was going to happen, but I think it's starting to. It started to today, and that's why I think today is going to be one of those dates when we look back that was a, a game changer and a real turn of events, a turning point. And I tweeted this today, as a matter of fact. This is right. the first time in my life. I'm, I'm 32. I've been following this team my entire life. I've never, right. as I told you, thought Snyder would change the name. Today was the first time I think I really had an epiphany that it's going to happen, and it's probably going to happen sooner than not. Uh, well, good for you. Uh, I think that it's uh, I think it's responsible. And I have to say, so uh, in 99 or something, I did Johnny Cochran's show. Right. And I was on there with this uh, Native American woman. All I remember this. I'm just being as honest as possible. I remember she was a powerful lobbyist. Right. For the Native Americans and for the Navajo Nation. And she was on Johnny Cochran up against me. And I was on there and I was friends with Cochran. And at the time I was living in Los Angeles and I went on the air on television, on national television. And I said, you know what? They will never change the name of that football team. They don't care what you think. They will not listen to you. He's a billionaire. He's a brat. He's uh, had everything spoon fed to him his whole life. No one's going to tell that guy ever what to do. He will never do it. You will never, you will be barking up at this tree for the rest of your life, I said to her. And then it's so funny to me that all these years later, fast forward it to today, it's a very long time, Grant. And now I look back thinking uh, that they were mad then and they've been mad ever since. And you know what? I said this on the air today. They have been screwed that the Indians in this country and Native Americans, uh, they have been screwed in this country from the day they set foot on the, the world, on the earth. They have been screwed. And finally, someone's standing up for them. And I think that it's high time that it happened. I, you know, I have a friend that told me, Grant, that he's good friends with Dan. And he tried to get him to do an interview, right? Because this is a media guy. And he tried to get him to do an interview. And he agreed to do the interview. But he would not talk about the name of the team. Like He's one of these guys that does interviews only if you know uh, beforehand uh, what the questions are going to be. And he won't talk about certain topics. My question to you is, have you found that to be true in D.C.? That if you want to interview that guy, there's rules. Well, there's no interviewing him. I mean, I'll go even further than that, Scott. I mean, he doesn't do interviews. There, There is not a person in Washington, D.C. athletics. And I've been, and I'll use the term covering loosely because I broke into the, the industry as a young kid at one point in time kind of doing things as almost a, a novelty piece, but I was doing interviews and things 
as a 10-year-old with local stations, but you're talking 22 years of interviewing people and meeting people. I have met Dan Snyder at a couple different functions. I've had a handful of conversations with him. I was on the beat covering the Redskins for four years every single day during the Robert Griffin, Mike Shanahan era, and I have been covering the team credentialed out at Redskins Park at every game just about at FedEx Field since 1999. I can count on one hand the number of conversations I've had with him. Most of them have lasted longer than 30 seconds. I've never interviewed the guy. Uh, he's been on our radio station, 1067 The Fan in Washington, D.C., which is the station for sports talk or the home of the Nats and, and the Caps. He's been on one time, and he went on with LeVar Arrington, who was a former player of his right when he got his show. And it was basically kind of a, a hugging makeup session between he and LeVar, who kind of had an issue with Snyder at the end of his time. There wasn't really a whole lot of football discussed. So there's no doubt in my mind that what you're saying is true. If he was going to do an interview, he's going to pick his spot. He's going to do it with a you know, company that probably in some way has a relationship with the team. You know, he's not going to do an interview where he's actually going to be asked questions that he hasn't at least been either briefed about or that hasn't been signed off on by the team. The chances of us getting an interview with him are 0%. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It would never happen. So, yeah, he is not accessible in any way. Uh, and and the, the issue with that is you know, a lot of people say, well, you guys for many years made fun of the fact that he was too involved and told him to, to step aside. He, he's not any less involved behind the scenes. Like, he still pulls strings and calls the shots a lot of the time. It's just that he never steps up to the microphone. He hired Bruce Allen for the last 10 years to be the intermediary between he and, and the microphones and the fans. Bruce Allen is now gone. Before that, it was Vinny Serrato. And now the Redskins right. are going with an actual football adult in Ron Rivera who's going to be the face and do all the, the talking. But you can't talk to Dan Snyder. I mean, it just it does not happen. Wow, uh, that just is you know proving the pudding. I mean, uh, and the guy that I know is powerful and has juice and has a lot of uh, powerful friends and uh, commissioners, owners. His best friend's an NFL owner, and that's how he knows him. And he and he was going to do this interview, and he just said he told me the guy had all these rules, and I'm like. Uh, he is impossible. That'd be like, so when, when a guy won't even do an interview, then you know he won't cooperate with anybody ever. Nobody tells him what to do ever. If it's snowing outside, he says it's raining. If it's sunny, he says it's cold. Well, and, and here's the other thing, Scott, about Hold on that. one second. Grant, you're right. Hold on he one is second. that guy, right? Hold on one second. Uh, let me just bear with me, Grant. We'll come right back out of the break. I want to continue this conversation, then we'll get into all the rest with the other teams at D.C. on the bench. All right, for all on the bench, we're talking to Grant Paulson from The Fan in D.C. and MLB Radio. So, Grant, uh, you were going to say about uh, Daniel Snyder uh, that uh, I was saying uh, he literally won't listen to anyone, and he never has, and he never will. Like, the guy won't do interviews. He's absolutely uh, – he's senile. It's almost like I, I feel like you're dealing with an impossible man to, to – Argue with him is just a waste of time, but it's amazing to me the pressure that people are putting on him now. He's going to have to buckle at some level. I just do not think he can sustain this. So I agree. You know, the analogy you would use or the, the kind of the comp you used, which I liked, as you said, it can very clearly be raining and he'll look out the window and tell you it's snowing or vice versa. 
And what I would add to that, Scott, is I, I don't I agree with that completely, but I, I would go further to say he surrounds himself with people in whatever little small group that he ever has, and the iterations change over the years, whether it's Vinny Serrato or Bruce Allen or somebody else, and those people will agree with him. You know, he'll say it's snowing, and they'll say, no doubt about it, Dan, it's, it's definitely snowing. And when you don't have those dissenting opinions and you don't empower people around you to make you think differently, you get pretty dug in. I don't really have a good feel for what he listens to or reads or how much he knows about what's being said by fans or the media, but I get the sense he's just very insulated. He doesn't pay a lot of attention to what other people think or say. The bottom line is this, though, and I really believe this. It does not matter if he wants to change the name, which we know based on the last quote he had on this years ago where he told, I think it was the USA Today writer, he said, put it on all caps, it'll never happen, it's not happening. Uh, If sponsors start to pull out and you've got your first threat today across the bow from FedEx, there could be others to follow, that's not just going to be someone asking you to change the name. That's not going to be fans telling you that you should. That's not going to be a group of people on Twitter with a hashtag telling you that they'll cancel you. That's money. And this guy cares about that. He's, he's got $2 billion next to his name. He's middle of the pack among NFL owners in terms of worth. But he'll feel that. And, and I think that would be when you start to see them consider making a change. When you're on the radio in uh, D.C., what are people saying? So you've got, I think, three groups of people. You've got a, a collection of people that want the name changed. I would say that's the smallest group of people that say, they have to change their name. It's just a, it's a, either a racist or an inappropriate name, or it's time that they must change it. I would say that's the smallest group. The second group, and this is the biggest group, are people that either feel like, you know, that it's uh, maybe they feel like it's an inappropriate name or they feel like it's just time, but they, they would view it as if they change the name, I'm not going to be upset. You know, maybe it's just easier to do that. Maybe it's time for a fresh coat of paint. They haven't won in 30 years. You know, the, the tradition with Joe Gibbs and, and the Redskins of the 80s and early 90s was tremendous. But really, since 1992, they haven't had back-to-back winning seasons. They haven't won 11 games. In a lot of ways, they're kind of the Cleveland Browns of the NFC. So why not try a new logo and, and try a new uh, team name and, and maybe different colors or something and, and give this thing a fresh look? And they'd be okay with that. They would basically, I would say this group is considered that they would be fine with changing the name even if they're not pushing and moving forward to do that. And then the third group, which is you know, somewhere in the middle, I would say about a, a quarter of the fan base, really doesn't want the name changed. You know, they know the brand as the red can of, of Coca-Cola Classic. You know, it's a brand name. It's like Pepsi. I stand behind it. I guarantee it. Frank Lucas style. They want to always show up and always go to FedEx Field or wherever they're at because it's, it's what they knew and it's what their dad knew and it's what grandpa knew. And they want it to be the Washington Redskins. So those are the three groups. I would say that the, the, the group that's growing the most by far is the people that just say, look, I don't have the energy to fight this thing. I don't have the passion. Times are changing. Look around the country. There's a social awakening happening. Maybe they're more educated than they were a few years ago or their stance has just been kind of whittled down and they've been chipped away at. But they go, if you're going to change the name, change the name. I'm not going to be upset. I think you got more and more people like that. I really do. So did you just drop a Frank Lucas reference in the middle of that? And, and like a Denzel Washington, I stand behind it 100%. Did you, just, did you just drop that magnificent, like, bouquet of roses <laughs> onto this show? Did you, just, did you just do that to me? 
I try to I try to give uh, one Denzel Washington Frank Lucas reference for appearance with you, Scotty. Uh, that's that's alpaca. You blocked that. We tried to do that just once, but we got to work them in. Listen, uh, Mafia, do you remember the five million uh, Denzel Washington clips that I run on the show through the years? <laughs> that is great. Uh, yeah, we have anyway. like ten of them. Which just guarantees things in every movie. Apparently, that's like the one line he must have in every movie that he guarantees something. Right. <laughs> so, our, uh, let me ask you this, Grand Paulson: Are is it the number one thing that they're talking about? right now with the Redskins or are they talking about Ron Rivera? Are they talking about Haskins? Are they talking about AP? Are they talking about uh, there's not going to be a football season because of the COVID Uh, or is Dan Snyder changing the name of that team, the topic of conversation when it comes to the Redskins? No, that's definitely number one today. It'll be that way through the weekend on a Monday, Tuesday Haskins. If something were to happen, if a new video comes out with him, you know, a few weeks ago, he was working out with Antonio Brown, and that was the rage for 48 hours where everybody yeah. thought, oh, wow, he's going to try to bring Antonio Brown to Washington, D.C. Because you know how we are now as a society. You see something on social media, and it has to have more meaning than just two dudes that were geographically close to each other that wanted to go swing the ball around on the field. But Haskins is definitely a story for the Redskins. He had a bad freshman year. It didn't go well for a lot of reasons. I mean, he had the, the deck stacked against him, and he didn't play particularly well and didn't help himself out. But he's had an awesome offseason. He's working really hard. He's gotten into great shape. And he basically has hired, like, a camera guy to follow him around and show people you know, how much weight he's lost and how often he's on the field throwing the football. So I think Redskins fans are excited about that. Uh, but Rivera, all is quiet, really, on the coaching front. I mean, people are excited that they hired him, and they're, I think, surprised that they got such a credible decent man who who has run a football organization for a long time that got to the Super Bowl in Carolina. But that was, you know, the story in January and not a lot has changed. I would say one thing you didn't mention that people are excited about here is Chase Young when they drafted number two right. overall at Ohio State. Right. He's been comped to Nick Bosa and Julius Peppers and some of the, the best edge rushers that have been drafted over the last 20 years. There's some speculation that maybe he could be elite right away. So he's being hyped in a way right now that he probably will have a hard time living up to. But those are kind of the, the big storylines around here. Right. I'm sure that he's going to be a badass. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, his career uh, takes off there. And then uh, I can't wait to see how this whole thing plays out. I, I'm I'm going to be shocked if um, more and more major corporations don't start uh, pulling their dollars from uh, Dan Snyder's coffers. I really believe that. Now, tell me about the um, the Nationals. Uh, I know, like, Garrett Cole against Max Scherzer, really that's all you have to say, isn't it? Like, that first game is so kick-ass that does anything else even matter with the baseball team? I know Zimmerman's not going to play with them. Ross... Uh, etc. World Series champs, but just the fact that Scherzer against Cole is going to happen, allegedly, that's all I need to know. Yeah, people are giddy about that. I and mean, what a matchup. You really can't do a lot better than that. That was your game one of the World Series, right? When, when Cole was with Houston, so you're running that back when he was on the ultimate heater and no one could score against him, and the Nats found a way uh, in Houston to win that game and take the first game of the World Series before winning in seven. So that'll be a heck of a rematch between you know, probably the guy in Cole who's the best pitcher in baseball and the right-hander and Scherzer has been top five in Cy Young balloting in the NL the last five years, who's the most maybe feared starter uh, in the game. But, yeah, the, the Nationals are without Ryan Zimmerman, who's decided he won't play during this 60-game sprint. Uh, his mother has MS, and he's got a one-month-old baby as of today. 
uh, his mm-hmm. son, his third child, with his wife Heather, and then Joe Ross, who's kind of a very healthy mid twenties uh, guy going into a critical season, is pushing back his ability to hit free agency another year. Was due to make five hundred fifty-five thousand dollars. He's made about two and a half million in his career, which sounds like a lot, but you know you compare him to Zimmerman or Mike Leake, who's made about a hundred million, or Ian Desmond, who's made about a hundred million. The other three guys that are sitting out. And Ross is, you know, doesn't really match with those other guys. It's interesting. But his dad's a, a pediatrician and his mother's an ER nurse. So you wonder you know, maybe that, that intel he's got of, of a couple of folks on the front lines who are his parents uh, factored into the decision. But you're without your fifth starter in Ross and your first baseman in Zimmerman. And they'll be fine in the infield, assuming Howie Kendrick plays. Uh, he's going to platoon at first with Eric Thames, who they brought over from Milwaukee. He's a big hawking presence who can mash against right-handers. In the rotation, I think they'll get by with Eric Fetty, who's a former first-round pick at a UNLV, uh, possibly Austin Voth, who's a, a starter who helped them out of the bullpen and, and in the back of the rotation last year as, as they made a second-half run. So they think they'll be okay. They've got depth clearly, and that's what's going to help them, I think, make the playoffs again. But you're right, man. You get that first game that came out as we wait for the rest of the schedule, and you see Max on the hill against Garrett Cole, and I think right away a lot of people were less upset about only having 60 games and the owners versus the players, you know, that, that's just, you know, if that was a drink, you, you pour that into the glass and you, you wash it down and it'll go down smooth. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people might buy into Cole in that game, but uh, I got to tell you, Scherzer at home and, the, and, and as a dog, I might actually like that bet uh, with Scherzer. Let me ask you this. Uh, respectfully, I got just under three minutes. How do you think the Capitals are going to do uh, when they go into the Stanley Cup playoffs? Uh, what do you think of that team? So I think they'll actually be better off with this break. If you remember, Scotty, and you plugged in on hockey, I mean, they were taking on water right before everything got shut down. They had a hell of a year, and they were maybe the best team circuit to circuit in the East. But they had started to be caught, and you, you could see teams like Philadelphia and the Metro creeping on them and uh, across the East. You know, in, in the Atlantic, you had Tampa Bay and you had Boston that surpassed them as playing better hockey. They're such a veteran group. You know, they're just older, and they've been around together for so long. The guys like Ovechkin and Backstrom and Carlson, uh, Holpe, that they, they make the playoffs year in and year out, and they played so much hockey. So I think the break and just not being on their skates really going to benefit a, a veteran-laden group. I like their chances. I really do. I mean, they're so battle-tested. They're just going to be quirky. I don't know what I'm going to do betting-wise because – you just don't know. I mean, there's no home ice. You know, the, the two hub cities, it's such a unique situation. But right. I think they'll be every bit as capable as any other team to win the whole thing a couple of years after their cup run with all the guys that they've got and all the playoff experience that they have you know, who have just been doing this for so many years now. I got a 90 seconds respectfully. How do you think uh, the um, Beal situation plays out? I think he'll play. I do. Uh, if he does, I just don't think he's going to play a ton. Like the Wizards, to be honest with you, are kind of lucky to still be involved in this whole thing. And what's funny is because of what's going on with the Nets, they might actually catch them and make the playoffs, which is just wacky. But if I'm the Wizards, if I'm their GM, Tommy Shepard, I go to Brad and I say, listen, we'll take care of you, man. You, you 20, 25 minutes. We don't need to run you into the ground for these games that don't mean a whole lot. You come play with us. We'll look out for you and let's kind of meet in the middle. That's what I'm guessing happens. But last I heard today, and, and talking to someone close to the organization, the deal really was up in the air and still considering not playing. So I'll bet he plays. They just limit him, and they don't go ride or die here. They don't have Wall. They don't have Davis Bertans. So I, what's really the, the big end of the game picture here? I mean, you're, you're going to 
get to the playoffs and then have to take on a seed you can't beat anyway. So they're not going to risk Beal for next year for that. I got 15 seconds. Do you think the way Manfred and Tony Clark handled the, the negotiations with baseball, that they were embarrassing? Absolutely. Just a debacle. They should be ashamed. It was a joke. Uh, it was so, so bad for the game and for the fans. People will not forget it for a long, long time, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. Grant, uh, awesome catching up, dude. Great stuff. Uh, always appreciate you coming on the bench and talking about everything going on at D.C. We'll catch up again real soon. Stay healthy, bro. You too, brother. Anytime, man. You're the best. Take care. My man, uh, Grant Paulson from The Fan and MLB Radio on Sirius XM. We got a lot more coming up. Uh, and you know the number, right? It's right on your screen. So anyway, I know that it's for all events that these uh, players, baseball players, they had this secret, like, baseball game. Uh, a bunch of stars in a secret shutdown. Like, baseball was shut down, obviously. And then the, these players met up at this place in Palm Beach, Florida. And they played some games at Palm Beach Gardens High School. The list of players uh, was extensive. Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Corey Kluber, Paul Goldschmidt. Giancarlo Stanton. I'm surprised he didn't get injured. Uh, and then it goes on and on. Mike Waka. There's other guys. I'm just looking at names, right? Brad Hand. Uh, that's pretty much it. The rest of them are, are no names. Syndergaard was there doing rehab work at the facility. And then the players implemented their own rules to reduce the transmission of the COVID as much as possible, implementing rules that included no sliding and distancing as much as possible. No one tested positive for the virus, but they don't know uh, how many times they were tested and the frequency of when they were tested. 844-843-6879 is the number to get on. The uh, underground baseball ring proved to be a bonding experience for the players. I'm just reading this from NBC, right, that it happened. Can you even believe it? Players worried about the attention they might attract. They managed to keep it a secret, avoiding posting on social media about this. Some players wanted to be publicized. Anyway, remember when Trevor Bauer helped organize a Sandlot wiffle ball game that was live streamed on YouTube? Uh, that got over 100,000 views. These guys are having like special secret baseball games while we're all waiting to see them play ball. Unbelievable. <laughs>